All right, guys, welcome into Dog Central Live on a Thursday night. I'm Graham Coffey. That's Josh Hancher. You can find both of us on Twitter at uh, the handles you see under our faces. Uh, Josh, we're finally here, man. It's, it, you know, feels like it's been a long time since the Ohio State Georgia matchup was announced. Uh, and then, you know, Christmas comes and you blink, and now we're two days away from kickoff. How are you feeling about this thing? Um, you know, so much of the pressure as a lifelong Georgia fan that's with championships unfulfilled was taken off. So it's it's really kind of enjoyable to to get such a big matchup. And I'm glad, you know, we got Ohio State. I mean, I, I said it to one of my Twitter friends who's actually a Buckeye fan. And I said, you know, I was like, this is like these are the teams I wanted to play, you know, Michigan, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, Ohio State. So um, it's pretty awesome. We're the number one seed. We've got them at a at our home away from home. Um, actually, it's it's our home. Our, it's our second Atlanta home, I guess, right now uh, <laughs> after after Bobby died. So I'm going to the game. My my friend Paul has got me a sweet seat, and I am nice. really really excited. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's definitely. I mean, like in terms of history and like brand power, and you know, I guess the idea that like styles make fights uh you know you got the flagship big 10 school um alabama fans aren't going to want to hear this but georgia in this very moment in time in the college football zeitgeist is the kind of the flagship sec program as it stands today so yeah it it feels like everything you want out of like a, a playoff matchup like no disrespect to like cincinnati um or even TCU for that matter. But like, you know, this is not like Cincinnati Bama last year where it kind of felt like a, a little bit of just like a, a foregone conclusion or a routine playoff game. Like this is, this is big boy stuff. And it is interesting hearing you kind of bring up the, the pressure being off. Cause I, I feel the same way. Like, you know, obviously you and I both talked to tons of Georgia fans and uh, have them in our family and friend groups and all of that. But like, yeah, man. I mean, this time last year, it seemed like there was just this palpable anxiety. And right now, talking to Georgia people, they're fired up for this matchup. But, like, the sky is not going to fall. You know, I mean, like, if, if they lose this game, then they'll be, you know, 13-0 SEC champions that uh, won a national title the year before and just signed a sixth straight top three recruiting class and will plan on probably being back here again next year. So, um it is odd for a team like Ohio State who lost their last game of the season to come into a matchup, and it, it feels like the pressure is really on, like, Ryan Day and, and kind of the Ohio State oh. program. Oh, big-time pressure. Big-time. I mean, they've had more talent. You know, Georgia and Kirby have got it rolling since 2018, but, the, you know, he – you know, the famous quote from Harbaugh is, you know, Ryan Day was – uh, born on third, born on third, thought he hit a triple. So absolutely, another uh, the pressure is a hundred percent on them. Back to back losses and in consecutive seasons to uh, to Michigan, and you know they got you know pretty well handled the last few last time they were playing an SEC team in the uh, in the championship game. And was it championship game or was that the semi in the twenty twenty? I guess it was a championship game. Um, yeah, and- it was a championship game against Bama. Yeah. Yeah, and you know they they had a that art. I think I can't remember if it was the Orange Bowl or not, but it was a great game. 
between Clemson and Ohio State, and they and Justin Fields got him over the hump in that game. But no, it's it's tons of pressure on Ohio State. Um, it's not, and so I don't think that. I mean, Kirby seems to be locked in. You had your notes on Dog Central today talking about how focused they were. They looked to be more focused and more prepared and taking this game more seriously than even last year. But you can tell just right around media day, they're they're pretty loose, which is what you, focused and loose don't aren't mutually exclusive. You know. Yeah. No, for sure. And I mean, dude, Stetson Bennett um, looks comfortable, you know, I mean, like going in front of the media, like this kind of feels like old hat for him. And it just seems like Georgia, you know, this will be the third time this year they've played in this building and the the, the first two went pretty dang good for him. Um, you know, I, I think Georgia scored almost 70 first half points in two games in Mercedes Benz stadium this year. Like, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see, are they able to just like stay in that groove after this long layoff or, you know, how, how we think this thing's going to play out. Um, anything kind of before we jump into like super specific stuff, uh, is there anything in the, you know, in the success rates or in the tendencies and all of that, that, that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, everyone talks about, you know, they, they're still focused on this Georgia defense. And they, and once again, it seems like the offense is overlooked. You know, Stroud and back-to-back Heisman finalist and, you know, prolific offense. Uh, number, I can't remember, they're, they're both both squads are top 10 or so in, in points per game. But I, I put out a stat earlier today, sort of talked about um, Ohio State has given up 33 plays of 40 or more yards or no i'm sorry uh touchdowns of, of 20 or more yards have given up 33 and more than half of those were in games where the that score um brought it to one score it, it, or you know increased their deficit over the team or tied it so they've given up interest big plays and big plays in critical moments uh georgia's only got seven such plays and um three of them were went to uh, bring it to a tie game or keep it within one score. And a couple of those were in the SEC championship game. So, um, you know, that's, you know, I think there was a lot of people realizing we had some stuff to clean up from playing LSU in that game, but uh, you know, nothing that I'm just, they need the big plays. I'm not sure Georgia's going to give them up. Um, yeah. And, and, and Georgia and Ohio state both have five uh, plays of 50 more uh, 60 more yards scoring touchdowns. So it's Georgia's yeah. own pace with them. And those are, those are very rare plays. Obviously both teams had five for the whole season. You can't right. count on them. They're, they're an aberration and stuff. So I, I think that the misnomer is that this is Ohio state's defense, Ohio state's offense and Georgia's defense. I think, um, I agree. I think, I think Monken has like, you know, we're all, you know, the, the comment about 13 personnel got us going earlier in the week and stuff. But I do feel like this could be yet again another coming out party for, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett and company. No, 100%, man. And, I mean, uh, you know, you you bringing up kind of Ohio State's defense, giving up lots of touchdowns to teams before they enter the red zone. And on the flip side of this, like, I you know, I, I've got a little stat in our notes here, like, Ohio State this year in all of their games, 5.2 points per an opportunity. Like they, they be meaning like, you know, in points per an opportunity, uh, you know better than I do what some of these terms mean, but like an opportunity, at least from the data that I pulled it out of, is, is considered anytime they cross into an opponent's 40. 
So, like, you look at their season, when they got inside the 40, they, they scored 5.2 points on average. Like, they scored touchdowns. They did not kick field goals. And then they get in that Michigan game, and they're 2.6 points for an opportunity, right? And so, like, I think that's what's really interesting because uh, there is this idea behind Ohio State kind of, you know, over the last decade, it seems like, where it's like, oh, hey, you know, this is this is a team that's big passing score from far and, and all of that. But like the reality is that like they they need to drive the ball. And that's how they've that's how they've lived all year. And the last time, you know, really probably the best defense they've played this year was Michigan. And they really struggled in the red zone against them. They they had some success between the twenties, but they could not convert and knock the door down. And you saw that a little bit in the yeah. Penn State game, too. And I've got up here, and on the flip side, this is defensive stats, but it's interesting. You see Georgia at the top there allowing just 23.6% success rate inside yeah. the red zone. And you can see Ohio State is, you know, middle of the pack behind. Yeah, 37.8 behind Georgia Tech and Stanford and Miami. And, and you know, and Georgia is allowing just 1.4 yards per play. So inside the red zone. So if – it, you know, if this these we definitely want to limit these scoring opportunities, and I can see Georgia as, as they have all year long made it really, really hard to score and capitalize on, like you say, the scoring opportunities, especially when it gets down inside the red zone. Um, you, you know, obviously every offense gets as the field gets tighter, you know, sort of loses a little bit of efficiency because there's less yards to move around, and and but Georgia has for two years now been just absolutely elite. Uh, you know, not allowing teams to score and move the ball inside the red zone. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, uh, I, I guess I, the thing I want to stress the most, like looking at the profile of this Ohio State team for me, is just that uh, there is not a Jamison Williams on this roster. Like, there's not like a – like, there's some good wide receivers. Ibuka and, and Harrison are very good wide receivers, but there's not that – burner type that like if you get him matched up on a safety like he's he's gonna house you because he runs a 428 40 and he's just gonna blow past everybody like Harrison's a really great receiver he's very good in the air he has incredible hands he has incredible body control he's excellent in 50 50 situations but he's not the guy in my opinion that is gonna you know run down the sideline and catch a ball you know with that's 40 yards downfield and then run another 30 for a touchdown. Like, you know, I, I think that's a big deal in this game is even if Georgia does give up some plays, as long as they make those tackles and, you know, force Ohio state to play them in the red zone where the field gets tight. I like Georgia's odds of, of, you know, holding them to, to more field goals than touchdowns. Yeah, I just had that stat up there. Ohio State versus Michigan had 20% success rate in the red zone um, in that game. And that clearly cost them, you know, and they, they were settling for field goals and turning the ball over. And, you know, it was just kind of a kind of a disastrous game uh, for them. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, one thing that I pulled here, um, just kind of put a cherry on kind of the, the thread of this conversation we're having right now. Ohio State's offense is really, you know, they're very reliant on their run game and even like four yard dink and dunk type plays. Like they, they do not do well when they get into 
third and long, second and long situations. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, people don't realize this, but they've actually like, – like Ohio State has a higher ratio of, of run to pass this year than Georgia does. Like this is not, you know, an, an air raid attack kind of thing. Like they, they run the football and they've been very efficient and effective doing it. Um, I mean, they've got a rushing success rate of – what do I have written down here? 53% on the year. It's very good. 53.1%. Um, but the, the thing that flipped out or that kind of stood out to me is like they're, uh, they are not good when it gets, when it gets third and long. And, you know, they, they have had a hard time, I think, in, in those situations. They've been good at staying ahead of the sticks, but they're, they're passing down rate, which is basically second and longs and third and longs, is, is just 24.7% of their plays this year. But uh, they're, you know, they're, they're passing down success rate is only a, a 32.3%. So, yeah, they're, they're not somebody that's going to, you know – like if Georgia is able to, I guess what I'm trying to say here is if Georgia is able to control that run game and play some some decent coverage with their linebackers on you know Ohio State's tight ends and running backs, like I think this could be a, a pretty long night for the Buckeyes just because C.J. Stroud is a lot of things, but he is not a guy who has shown that he can just bail you out in third and seven, third and nine, third and 11, all the way down the field. That's not who he's ever been. Maybe he becomes that guy on Saturday night, but there's nothing here that tells me that's going to happen. Yeah. You want to start off with this, uh, this first drive from uh, the Michigan game here as you can, we go through some more of your notes here. I don't want to break up. your. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, yeah, I think for me, the thing that kind of stood out for me early uh, watching watching this game and, you know, e- even some other games is just like they didn't really seem comfortable um, trying to trying to just go up the middle. Is this – oh, you've got drive nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like they, they rarely go all the way under center. They're in shotgun 66.5% of the time, and they're in the pistol the other, you know, another 20% of the time roughly. So almost 87% shotgun or pistol. Um, but they, they run outside zone a lot, and especially in that pistol, they'll run outside zone and they'll get their linemen moving laterally. And so, you know, early in this Michigan game, they did not seem – their opening script was not designed to test the middle of Michigan's defense. Like, you know, this is a third and one play, and they, you know, they go with a little kind of outside run there, or, you know, quarter, the, the running back bounces outside, and it's, it's a nice play. But, like, you see these, like, reverses and screens, and, I mean, that's terrible tackling for Michigan there, so that turns into a 20-yard run. But um, there's two or three guys that have – have that player dead to rights for a tackle before it happens. And this is big, right? Like this play we just saw right here coming off right tackle. Like this is a lot of their running game. Um, A a lot like on the whole 42.3% of their rushing attempts are going to go outside the tackles. And even when they are going between the tackles, a lot of that is going to be on the right side of the line. Like 30% of their total runs have gone between center and right guard or right guard and right tackle. So 
75% of their rushes are going to come outside the tackle or involve that right guard, right tackle combo. And I think that's, you know, a lot of this game is how Georgia is, is able to kind of handle that, that right edge of the defense. Um, Cause they, they do have a very talented, you know, I, I think their tackles are much better than their guards. Like I, I think they have, you know, right tackle number 79 is, is very good Dewan Jones, but um, you see there like more outside, more outside. And, and, and that's how they opened up against Michigan. And it was kind of telling to me that like, they at least didn't feel like early in the game that they could come out and attack the middle of the field, whether that be through the air or on the ground and have success. And by the time, you know, they, they did at some points like run the ball for a couple of yards into the center of the field, but it's just offensive scripts tell us a lot. Um, that play was interesting to me as well. That's Stover, the tight end. And, you know, just kind of, he's not a blocking tight end, really. Uh, he's, you know, the ball's being thrown. He's running around 80% of the time, but they use them on those little like pick play, play action RPO things. And Michigan defended that well. And I think that's something that like Georgia's speed at linebacker will take away and make difficult. Um, that's a buka, right? Like we, you know, I, I think if you've been getting ready for this game in any form, you've probably heard his name by this point. Like this entire pass game runs through him and Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, combined, they have over 2,200 yards this year, right? Like over, yeah, over 200 targets between the two of them. Um, you're going to see Buka a lot more in the slot working in the middle of the field, and you're going to see Harrison out on the boundary and like that's going to be interesting because you know I, I think it's going to be Javon Bullard on Igbuka all day and probably Ringo on Harrison and I, I just like if that doesn't work for Ohio State like if though if both those guys aren't making plays I don't really know what they do I think it's going to be like a, a very very long night for them because they just I don't know. That's just kind of how they run their offense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's they're good on offense, and those guys are studs. So you're expecting plays to be made. You know, I mean, we saw them go uh, LSU go after Ringo. So I would be shocked if Harrison doesn't get some some yards and maybe and go over 100 and maybe score a touchdown. You just you know, hopefully you just stay focused, make adjustments, and you you know limit those opportunities and limit those big plays. Cause you know, the, the, the offense is very, very good, but it is a sub 50%, um, you know, offensive success rate. So they need big plays and they're counting on those, but if you can limit those, you know, and, and keep them, you know, around 42, 43% success rate. Yeah. It could be, it could be a long night for the offense, long and frustrating. And, you know, maybe you get in, in CJ's head and, and, you know, if we can stop him on that first read, like you pointed out, um, on a lot of your notes on on the mm -hmm. site, you know, and make him stay in the pocket a little longer, and you can get maybe make get him to make some mistakes as well. I'm gonna say something that's gonna get me in trouble, especially if any Ohio State people watch this video. But I believe it in my heart to be true after watching a lot of tape. Um, there's a lot of things with CJ Stroud that are similar to like some of the things we saw with Hendon Hooker in the lead up to that game, where I, I kind of felt like. Yeah, like this. This is gonna uh, 
be a problematic for for Ohio State if if the first read isn't open. But the difference is with Stroud, he doesn't have the legs. He hasn't shown like a willingness to run in a lot of situations. So um, if if you blitz him, there's really no penalty for that. You know what I mean? Like if you blitz him, you're not going to leave a giant hole behind behind your your line that he's going to all of a sudden gash for 30 yards. Um, go back to that last throw, if you don't mind, real quick, Josh. Like, I mean, like, this is a God-tier throw, dude. Like, this is sick, man. You know what I mean? Like, this is a really impressive throw. Um, and there's no defense for that throw. That's a perfect throw. But, like, I guess what I'm – driving at here is history tells us that like he's not going to do that to you all night in a game like this like he will flash that and it will be incredible but um you know he's he's not super comfortable in a lot of situations uh throwing to that left boundary man like on on throws of 20 plus yards outside the numbers to the left this year he's only three of 12 passing so I guess what I'm saying is, like, if Georgia is able to play, it's a similar story to Tennessee, right? Like, if Georgia can take away, like, not even take away, but, like, just tackle well and relatively contain a lot of this, like, mesh stuff, like these short crossing routes and, and slants that Ohio State likes to run and, and force him to make throws like that right there. Like, you see Michigan playing that inside leverage on them. Um I think I think it's gonna be a bad you know a bad night for the Buckeyes. You see, that was not even a red zone uh, attempt there that that would have shown up, but you can still see that offer offense sputter. You know, mm-hmm. five point two points per opportunity, like you said earlier. That was that was one of the drives that led to only two point six points per opportunity again. Gave up that sweet play, that that incredible throw to get him into that scoring opportunity, but you know the defense buckled up, and I expect that you know. Georgia's defense to be able to do that if you can, you know, make him throw those play out, you know, like and just stop them. You, you're going to get yards, but you know, and and this is by no means is a bend don't break off defense, but yeah, but right. it's it's gonna they they need the big plays. They they can't get mired down and try to, to score on Georgia, you know, with a bunch of drives that are going to be you know twenty starting at the, or not starting, but first down inside the twenty five and whatnot. Yeah, for sure, and I mean. You uh, you were talking about Ringo earlier and, like, you know, LSU picking on him and stuff. And, and I, like, Ohio State's going to go at him. I mean, like, that's what comes with being a, a, a corner in football, right? Like, people are going to throw at you eventually, especially when you play for Georgia and Georgia takes away, you know, so much else that an offense can do. I I do like this matchup for him though a lot more than I liked the matchup against like Jare Jenkins from LSU or some of the other receivers he's faced this year. He just I think in in this game in this situation like he is in a spot where he can play press coverage. You know like like Harrison's not too fast to where if he misplays a press coverage just slightly he's going to get burned down the sideline for a 60 yard touchdown like I think this is a good matchup for him because I think Harrison's a physical receiver and I think he's a physical corner and I think those two are going to battle it out and it's going to be fun to watch but um, Harrison is not a twitchy 
receiver like some of the guys that, that Ringo maybe, you know, has, has had a little more trouble with at times in the past. And I think because of that, I, I like the way this, this lays out for him a lot more than I would, you know, against some, some other high level wide receivers in college football. Uh, you want to talk about the, the Ohio State defense, or we got some more things to wrap up on on the offensive side of the ball? No, we can get into the defense. All right. I'm trying to queue up a couple plays on based on your notes in here. So, all good. What you're not seeing behind the scenes is, is a million plays go by in a second. <laughs> but go, just jump in, man. I'm going to have this ready when you. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I guess what I was going to say is. Uh, you know, the, the Michigan game, Ohio State really didn't play that bad on a down-to-down basis. And if you're watching this, you've probably heard other people say that. And that's because it's true. But, like, I mean, Michigan had – this is what's very fascinating. Like, Michigan had seven carries for 175 yards when running in the gap between center and right guard in that game against Ohio State. Um they the, the Michigan running backs only forced two missed tackles on those runs on those seven carries for 175 yards. Only 51 of those 175 yards came after contact. So what I'm saying is Ohio State's uh, linebackers like they just misplayed the shit out of out of their run fits. And then you see Ransom, Ransom there, Lathan Ransom, number 12, diving at Donovan Edwards' ankles. Like an SEC safety is is fast enough to come from the the same hash right there. And like, like, like that's an angle that doesn't get erased in the SEC um, in, in a lot of scenarios. Right. Like, so I, I do think that there is a team speed differential, I guess I'll say um, between these two. And at the same time, like, do I expect Georgia to bust, multiple you know not even 70 80 plus yard touchdown runs like do i even do i expect them to bust you know one on saturday no i i don't like i think that like as a linebacking core they can fix that you know like their run fits like the the thing with ransom missing that tackle at the second level like that is an athleticism issue but those run fits from the linebackers like that that can be fixed um but i don't know you just notice in this clip like there's there's nobody on his heels you know when this when this touchdown gets scored and i i donovan edwards is a little bit of a unicorn in terms of michigan and ohio state standards but georgia's got like quite a few dudes that run that fast on offense, you know, before, before we move on, move on from Latham, I just want to show this one. Here's, here's a yeah, ransom, the safety. <laughs> yeah. Here is a, the oh, freshman man. tight end, uh, freshman tight end, the Mary dealt play here. That's for you, Mary, if you're watching. Yeah. It, what's <laughs> hilarious, man, is like, I, I saw a bunch of people talk this week and um, I, I really like Josh Pate. Uh, I, I think he makes great content and I think he, is doing this for the right reasons. And um, so this isn't a knock on him, but he, he mentioned on his show that Mich- Ohio state's past defense is second in the nation in terms of yards allowed to running backs and tight ends and 109th in terms of yards allowed to receivers. And my counter to that would be like, 
I don't know who's the best tight end they faced. Like who's the yeah. best running back? Well, they, the the, the Notre Dame you know, pass catching running back. They fa- yeah 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 they faced. Uh, but I mean that that quarterback for Notre Dame was like you know he, he didn't even know how to like throw the ball at that point in the season. I, I don't know. Point being, I, like, I think it, I think it's I think it's a cherry pick stat for sure. I mean it, yeah. I mean I, well I'm sure I've got some of those too. You know that'd be like that don't that just you know. But it, it's just he's making content, and you know we're here to to. Uh, and so are we, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Just yeah like, exactly. I don't, no. I don't. I don't find any concern in that from UGA's standpoint because there's just not anybody out there that's got a Brock Bowers and a Darnell Washington. Shit, yeah. there's very few out there that have an Oscar Delt, and he barely plays. Um, exactly. I, I, I mean, it's he's not the he the, even Notre Dame like he's the first game of the year. No, there's there. No one had a, 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 a tight end that was even critical to their offense. Not even close. So it's kind right. of like, sure, sure. There might be their linebackers are probably good covering the running backs. I think you can say that from that stat, um, you know, but, and that's, but that doesn't mean that, that Kenny McIntosh is still not going to catch six balls for 70 yards and a touchdown. They just, you know, it, it's just, you know, this is good on good. And, uh, and, you know, four of the, offenses that Ohio State faced were 100 and something or worse. Um, yeah. And that wasn't even Toledo. Toledo is one of their better offenses. I mean, we're talking Indiana and Iowa. and it just, These are terrible offenses. Just terrible, right. terrible, terrible offenses. So it's it's not like, you know, you can really take anything from that. And I, I know someone was talking, taking shots at the defenses that, that, um, that Georgia faced, um, you know, taking shots at, you know, Tennessee and, and, but, Sure, but I mean, it's, dude, that LSU defense was pretty good before Georgia. Like, I mean, like, I, you know, there's a reason a lot of these teams aren't ranked in the top 25 nationally in defense anymore. It's because Georgia rolled up 600 yards and 50 points on them. You know, yeah. like, I'm sorry, but like, there's, there is like a little bit of, you know, well, how did, you know, what was the thing that like broke their stat, you know, their, their statistical like performance for the season? And I, I don't care about, what these teams are ranked, I'm care a lot more about like relativity. And if you look at Georgia's like net yards per play relative to other teams that they're that Georgia's opponents played this year, Georgia's outperforming, you know, week by week by week by sometimes as much as two and a half, three yards. So I'm not worried about that. But I, I guess, you know, talking about this defense, um we talked about ransom and I think like you know, he's not a very impressive tackler. And I think Georgia is probably going to see Bowers and or Washington matched up in man on him at times. And like, oh man, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be thrilled about that if I was an Ohio state defensive coach. Um, and I think Georgia's got a chance of busting one of those like tight end screens to Bowers on in this game, because I, I think with Ransom, like if Georgia can do any sort of misdirection to freeze him or get him moving a few steps towards the middle of the field in the wrong direction and then throw back to to the tight end or to somebody, um, I don't think he can recover. And, you know, this Eichenberg kid is really fascinating as well. Number 35, Tommy Eichenberg, the linebacker. Um, Because, like, he – he grades out well, right? Like PFF, like gives him a good grade, and I think he's pretty heralded, and people think he's 
he's pretty okay, right? Like, but I turn on the tape and just I don't know. I, I'm always hesitant to say shit like this because it kind of plays into like old Big Ten SEC stereotypes. But you turn on the tape and he athletically does not look like a dude that should be on a field with some of Georgia's running backs and tight ends. Like, and, and I just I don't think he can cover Kenny McIntosh. And man, I don't think he can beat Georgia to the edge of the formation if Georgia wants to run some swing passes or, you know, do some other things to cause him to have to pursue sideline to sideline. So it's going to be interesting, but like, you know, on the season, he's only been targeted 28 times, but he's given up 23 catches. Now he's only allowed 160 yards, but he also has been playing like, up, you know, Iowa and Northwestern and some of these teams we've talked about. And like, I think for Georgia, if you can get the ball in someone's hands, um, you, you have a shot of, of breaking some big plays in this game because I just – I do not think this team speed is there at linebacker and uh, and safety. And in the middle of this defense – is this middle of this defense is not very fast pursuing to the edges. And with how Georgia blocks on the perimeter, how Georgia's wide receivers and tight ends block downfield, they're going to – you know, like Georgia's going to lock up these corners on the, the boundaries. And so – if you're Ohio State, your linebackers and safeties need to be able to beat Georgia's ball carriers to the sideline. And I think there's going to be a couple times on Saturday night where they they can't. Yeah, they do have some some good edge rushers. Uh, you've got some notes on them. You want to not completely bash this defense because they've got some. They've got two, a couple guys. <laughs> they they do. Yeah, Harrison uh, JT Tuamalalo. Um, I think I said his name right. Apologies if I didn't. Um, you know they. One thing that's interesting is they both line up outside the tackle on 95% plus of their snaps. And Harrison is a really good run defender. Like he's a complete package. I, you know, I, I, I think he's like a, he's like Nolan Smith, right? Like he can unleash and sack you, but he's also very, very good playing the run. Um, the flip side is that Tua Malalu is not a very good run defender. Um, he misses tackles on over 25% of his chances to tackle somebody. Like he's, he's one of the worst run defenders on Ohio state's team hand down. And so there's part of me. It's like, if Ohio state is going to be so bold as to put him on the field, if you know, it's third and four, or, you know, if they, if they're so crazy as to put him on the field on first and 10 or second and seven, like, Dude, run right at that guy right there, 44. Really great athlete, really good edge rusher, but not a good run defender. And if he's got to come off the left side of their line and play against Marius Mims, buddy, we're gonna get some we're gonna get some uh coach 30 stuff next week if Georgia wins this game. We're gonna promise you we're gonna get coach 30 with Marius Mims pancaking number 44 from Ohio state, because that's going to happen if he's on the field for too many run plays, but I'm not sure. I like, I, I don't know. I feel like all I'm doing is just like tearing them apart. I, they're a good football team, man. They are. And like, they play a lot of stuff sound and they have, they have been a statistically decent defense this year, but they're not like, 
nasty in the trenches like Georgia is. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not. Like they're they're really good at what they do. I think my concern for them is like, you know, both on offense and defense is I don't know how they counter if things aren't going well for them. Like if they're not able to do the things that they normally do, we haven't seen them adjust and change their game plan and, and win, you know, with one arm tied behind their back at all. Um, really this season, like it's just kind of, they come out and things go fine enough and they get W's. You know, which is interesting. I was just sorting and, and, for anybody that hasn't seen my stuff, all of these plays are cut up and chopped up on, on YouTube. You can find the links on the, on dog central and stuff. But, you know, one of the ways I, I have all each, I've scraped every play this year for every team and I can sort it by EPA. And it's, and so clearly the, the bit for the defense, you want to have negative EPA plays, but it just seemed like it, it, a lot of them were coming from the edge, uh, from the edge defenders and um, significant portion of them, not near as many negative play, negative EPA plays for Ohio State as there were for Georgia, which is not surprising, but it just makes you wonder if, you know, Georgia brings havoc from and puts pressure from all different uh, sides and, and players, you know, from safeties and linebackers, not just, you know, um, our Jalen Carter coming up the middle and, and our edge guys coming. Um, but so I'm just saying, I don't think Ohio State's seen this defense, what it can bring to it. And I, I think Georgia knows where their defensive attacks are going to come from. Well, I think, you yeah. know, they can s- scheme that. So I, I'm not saying by any stretch it's one-dimensional and they've got a lot of studs, but I just think that um, Georgia's going to be able to, you know, and Georgia's uh, offensive line has done exceptionally well uh, pass blocking this year. I know we've talked a little bit about run blocking, whether it be gap zone schemes and what they do better and, and when they're trying to run the ball. But when Stetson's had lots and lots of clean pockets to throw from, and if he has those on Saturday, I mean, I, I you know, I just, I, I just feel like it's, it's going to be. I think Georgia can handle these guys, and uh, like you say, and especially if, if it's a run, if you know, if it's a running down or they're on schedule and they're having um, good plays on first down, you're not going to get a lot of chances to to send. Uh, these guys at, at Stetson because they can't protect the, the run. Yeah. And w- one thing that I think bodes really, really well for Georgia is that um, to this point in the season, and I would be shocked if they change this now, especially against Georgia, but um, Ohio state has not seemed comfortable leaving their defensive backs in man coverage very much. Like they only play man coverage on 36% of downs. And that's usually because they're blitzing in the front end and they have to play man coverage because they don't have enough guys back there to play zone. Um, worth noting that when they blitz, they, they blitz heavy. Like they bring with five or six rushers and over 85% of their blitz packages. So you're not going to see like, you know, simulated pressures where they – have six guys up near the line of scrimmage looking like they're going to blitz and three drop out and only three rush. Like that, that's not something they've done at all this season, really. Maybe they put a couple in for this game, but um, what's interesting for me is like, basically, yeah, they're, they're only playing man coverage and not blitzing on very rare occasions. And that is fantastic news for Georgia because you look at Stetson's, kind of numbers this year, like you look at some, and I don't have the the full season numbers, but 
I talked about this a few times, the 12, 12 takeaways. There was a pattern, especially kind of in the middle of the year at times where, uh, you know, with, with A.D. Mitchell hurt, like Georgia's receivers struggled to beat man coverage sometimes this season. Um, you know, and it got better when Arian Smith came back in the lineup and like, you know, there, it, it's gotten better, but it it is something that, you know, was not great for Georgia at times. And if, if I was Todd Monken and I was like, what do I want to face? I would pick a zone, zone coverage heavy scheme to go up against every single time because that's what Bennett has been really good at. And he's really good at, you know, picking his spots in those zones and um, guys like Rosemi and those deep crossing routes. Like there, there's some rapport there. And um, I, I think that bodes really well for Georgia in this game. And I mean, if, if Ohio state does decide to just say, you know, we're going to go for it, we're going to blitz the house and we're going to, you know, leave our guys in man all day and see what happens. Then eventually Stetson's either going to scramble out and beat that blitz and, run for 40 yards or, um, you know, one, one of those defensive backs is, is going to get toasted by, you know, somebody, one of the tight ends, one of the wide receivers. So I just, I, I don't know. When I, when I look at this game, I just, I, you know, I was very worried by this matchup when it was announced just because it felt like Ohio State – kind of in the same spot that Georgia was this time last year, you know, a lot of doubters, uh, a lot of good motivation, but man, like when you get into the actual like functionalities of this matchup and just sort of how these teams play and what they like to do and what they struggle to do, like more and more, it feels, it feels like it's a, a good situation for EGA. Yeah. It's, it's easy to, to think about that in a narrative sense, you know, that mm-hmm. Georgia Georgia was humbled by their their arch rival, as was um, uh, Ohio State. And, and I try not to follow those narratives, but you do. It's, it's, it's what sports is, is a narrative. You know, it's, it's obviously much more than that, but it's the stories, it's the, the lead up, the, the, the back the history of everything that's gone before this, and it makes it exciting and fun. And that's why we get onto it with everybody with Twitter is, is, but you know, just listening to the things and all the, what's coming out of uh, Georgia locker room. It just seems like this team is on a mission and, and focused and we haven't had any slip ups like we've seen in the last few years under Kirby smart. There's always been one sort of clunker game and we haven't seen that this year. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I just think this is each year we've made huge improvements on both sides of the ball and it's just like we're peaking right now and i'm afraid the high states just you know make the light at the end of the tunnel is a train coming <laughs> so um, i'm i'm gonna have to change my score prediction if we keep going on because normally i'm munsoning hard and i'm like going the other way like, yeah no i mean well god man i don't know that might be a curse then that, that might be bad luck <laughs> exactly I'm usually, I'm, usually wrong. I'm usually wrong <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I guess um trying to think if there's anything else that, like, I really wanted to make sure people knew. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, is there any other tape or stats that you feel like we should we should know before we predict this I thing? Know. No, I mean, I, I say we just 
sort of start to put a bow on it. I mean, we could look at some more of these. Again, all of this is on dogcentral.com. Yeah, so, guys, I wrote like a 4,500-word preview that's free on dogcentral.com right now, and Josh has written like five blogs this this month or four yeah. blogs this month with, with film and stats breaking down some of Ohio State's like biggest and most, I think, uh, informative games this season. So you can go read all that stuff for free, and then you should definitely go and subscribe to Dog Central because you want to support that type of work. But either way, um, I think we've combined to write like 15,000 words about <laughs> – yeah, so far. we and it usually comes and unfortunately we we're always scrambling you know we all have this is a passion project for all of us and stuff so sometimes it comes in waves and sometimes it comes in trickles and today and yesterday it's been a big dump truck full of information so if you haven't been to the site in the last couple of days check it out there's a lot of stuff going on okay so real, real quick before we get into score predictions there any do you have any bold statements or any little tiny nuggets that I mean, I guess I wrote about the middle eight and did one of those blog posts. And, and Georgia has um, – one. it's interesting. Georgia has had more snaps in that middle eight, which is the last four minutes of the second quarter and first four of the third quarter. Huh? More snaps than any team in, in football. So um, I tried to get somebody that's on the beat to, to ask a question and see if that was something that schematically or, or you know, that they wanted to do. Interesting. Yeah, but um, and you know, questions are precious there that I didn't get asked. But I do think that's obviously, you know, the way they the way they control the ball and and how they time it out towards the end of the first half, especially and trying to obviously they always defer the kick when they win the toss to get the ball back in the in the third quarter. Uh, I do think that that's critical. We saw um, Maryland have a lead in that going into that middle eight and then kind of let it slip in Ohio State. Uh, took advantage of, of those missed opportunities and pulled ahead in that game. That game, you know, if you watch it and you go through my drive plays um, on the site, you'll see that that game was pretty competitive. And, and for the large, for the most part, Maryland was keeping toe to toe with them. And, and the same with Penn state, you know, and, and, you know, so watch for Georgia to hopefully defer, get the ball in third quarter and see what they do at the end of the second half and, See if and, and see if they can put some points up there and vice versa. You know, I'm sure Ohio State would like to do the same. And winning that middle eight could be a big part of uh, this game. So not really much of a bold prediction, but just one more thing that I've been kind of looking at. Georgia leads the country like in hundred and, and middle eight snaps. That's good. That's good stuff. Um I guess one one thing that did stick out to me, uh, just kind of like a a narrative buster a little bit. Um CJ Stroud this year has 54 pass attempts of 20 plus yards. Stetson Bennett has 52. Like this is not this big deep strike offense. And what that says to me is that Ohio State's going to have to drive the field on Georgia just like everybody else. They do not have like a secret recipe that's going to allow them to pass go, collect $200 and score, you know, big deep touchdowns over and over. And I ain't seen anybody do it. Yeah, you know, they so. are, and they're missing a running back that was a critical part of the, that's you know part yeah, of the game. Henderson's pass catching ability was something that I think could have been really big for them in this game. You're gonna hear about all of that. There's gonna be a lot of narratives on the broadcast, so you're gonna oh, yeah. hear. 
you're gonna hear a lot about it. Man, if only they're you know, man, if, if only these guys hadn't gotten hurt, they would just won a national <laughs> title. <laughs> Wouldn't be playing Kansas State this weekend. Wait, what? No, I'm sorry. It's a different team. Oh, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and fire away, man. So as far as my prediction, um, I, I think this is how this is going to go. Like, much like the game that Georgia played against Tennessee in November, everybody focused on these wide receivers. In reality, I think this game is about Georgia being able to defend the run with a light box. Um, I think that they'll have an easier time doing it probably against Ohio State than they did against Tennessee. Maybe not easier, but I think that, I think they'll do it. I think Jalen Carter will control that middle – I think Georgia's linebackers are good enough to scrape and fill against those outside zones. I, I have my usual concerns about Georgia's edge rushers, but there's too many there's too many dudes that Georgia can throw out there. I won't be surprised if they throw Ingram Dawkins out there, you know, and Michael Williams. Like I won't be surprised if they they go a little bit heavier on the defensive end spots just to make sure they're sound in the run and maybe sacrifice some edge rush ability and if they want to get after the quarterback they bring Dumas Johnson and Mondin and you know they, they bring a little more blitz packages but either way I think I think they can kind of manage that conundrum um as we were talking about earlier like Ohio State is pretty terrible uh like a lot of football teams are if you keep them from you know getting into third and short situations like if you keep them behind the sticks they're going to struggle. And I think that Georgia can, can do that more often than, than not. Um, like CJ Stroud is very talented, but he's not comfortable under pressure and he doesn't often play his best games and his biggest games. So I, I just am not that scared of the dude. Um, and going into this game, honestly, just because of experience and comfort and, confidence i would take stetson bennett over him like if i was picking a quarterback for this game i really would i saw some nfl scouts say the same thing this week as well um i like i'm gonna be surprised if georgia can get pressure on the edges very much on saturday but i also will be surprised if it matters because i think Georgia's is gonna really dominate from b gap to b gap with Carter and Stackhouse and those guys, like I think both running and passing, there's a chance for Georgia to just come up the middle and get straight into Stroud's lap. And the way that he's kind of been, like if if Jalen Carter comes out in the first couple of series and blows up somebody and sacks him and then, you know, comes close to sacking him on the next play, like you might start seeing him bail out of the pocket a little early and get kind of happy feet at times. So yeah, it, like if that happens, that's going to leave Ohio State in a bad spot. But um, the thing I come back to over and over is like, even if something's working for Ohio State on offense, I'm not sure how sustainable it is. And I trust Georgia from a personnel and coaching standpoint to have enough answers and pieces to, to kind of counter it and shut it down and then say, okay, now you got to go do this. And I just don't think Ohio State – there's, I, I don't think there's enough ways for them to gain yards and create explosive plays in this game to to really stress Georgia's defense in, in any meaningful way. Um, you know, as, as far as Georgia's offense, like, 
we've talked about it, right? Like, I, I think, you know, this is, this is an area where Georgia should be able to, to do a lot of different things. The thing I'm most certain of is that Georgia can run the football in this game. Um, I think Georgia will be able to run the ball well. I kind of have a feeling this might be like a coming out party for Kendall Milton on Saturday night. I'll put that under my one of my bold predictions. Um, I think McIntosh is going to be important too, but I think Milton may like bust a, a long one or just like truck stick one of these undersized Ohio State linebackers and you know become a meme or something. But um, I don't think Georgia's defense is going to make the same coverage mistakes it did against LSU. Like they they don't play zone unless they are up four touchdowns or say we're in that game. And I mean, they, they'll play it some, but like whatever communication issue that w- there was between Ringo and Starks, I think that'll be fixed. I'm not saying Ohio state won't hit plays because they will, but I don't think Ohio state's going and throwing for 500 yards in this game. And even if they do, it's just, I think Georgia can score kind of, you know, wherever they want and in some cases, whenever they want in this game. I'll be very surprised if Georgia's offense has much adversity on Saturday night. And at the end of the day, like, I think Georgia will be comfortable playing this game in the 20s, and I think they'd be comfortable playing in this game in the 40s or 50s. And I don't think Ohio State can say that. And, you know, I I think Georgia's going to come out and they're going to rain – some fire down and they're going to, they're going to get an early lead and then they might go a little more ball control and do some different things. But um, I think Georgia's going to control this one. And I, I got it at, I put 41 23 in my, my article on dog central, but for some reason, 41 20 has been like rattling around in my head all day. So I'm going to say that tonight. Um, and, you know, honestly, I think it might not even feel that close in some ways. Uh, I'm going to revert to norm and just be like it's going to be a little closer than that. I do Please. think both I think both offenses move the ball between the, the, the 40s pretty well. Um, I, I think that they're going to be protecting big plays over the top. And I think that – so I think there's going to be a lot of yards uh, by both offenses and given up by the defenses. But I think the difference will be that red zone and scoring opportunity defense uh, that that Ohio State has, you know, sputtered on multiple games in those opportunities and Georgia has clamped down on those. So I can see, uh, again, you know, Ryan Day is going to kick a lot of field goals and they're going to be talking about that in Columbus uh, come Sunday morning as they uh, ring in the new year, wondering what happened on Saturday night. And um, I think Georgia's going to punch it in and um, predicting four field goals uh, and a couple touchdowns. With, what is that, 30, 26 or something? Yeah, four field goals. That's a lot of field goals. Um, yeah, it is. 34, 26. 34, four touchdowns. 26. Yeah, four touchdowns. So the cover. Jack, yeah, and the cover. And uh, I think um, – I think it's gonna be a good game. I think it's gonna be a really good game, um, and uh, the dogs on top. I did have one uh, one question we got on Twitter from our friend Michael at Braves and Birds, uh, who is a Michigan fan. He says, "True or false? If Georgia beats Ohio State by fewer than twenty two points, they should disband the program due to embarrassment." Uh, I'm gonna say false, but uh, did think it was kind of funny, you know. Uh, 
that, that is my segue to see uh, if you have any, you know, quick thoughts or uh, predictions on the Michigan TCU game. If you have any, any like feel or gut vibe on how that thing might go. I think everyone's expecting a blowout. Um, and I just think TCU's too, too gutty. And I think they're playing with nothing to lose. I don't think that they're not as outmanned as Cincinnati and was against Alabama last year. Mm-hmm. And that game wasn't really a blowout. It was just kind of ugly, kind of lethargic, you know, methodical. Yeah. Um, but I don't – I think it'll be a really good game. I'm, I'm going to say that. I'm going to take TC in the points. I do think Michigan wins. But um, I just there's no way – I've not, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to count Max Duggan out of any game after watching what they did all year. And, and I think they're going to they're going to play with their – hair on fire and, and give Michigan all they want. So yeah, I'm, I'm with go, you, man. I'm going to go 28, 24. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I have like, I think it's going to be close. And I, like you, I just think like TCU is just so much more resilient than your average football team. And so much more comfortable playing from behind than most that, I just I don't know if they can really be phased at this point, even if things are going poorly. So um, my bold take is that that game will be a lot closer than Georgia, Ohio State is. Um, I'm going to say. Am I really going to do this? No, I'm not going to. All right. I'll say Michigan 38. TCU 34 in like in one where I like maybe TCU comes up short on the last drive kind of game, like a, a, an instant classic, so to speak. You know, I've got stats of war Parker as a TCU fan. So I've mm-hmm. paid attention to them before, more than I had the last couple of years. So I, I'm secretly cheering for those guys, but I definitely just from a talk about narrative, I want to go through Ohio state, Michigan for a natty. I mean, that's just a, Oh a, yeah. It's a freaking, that'd be nice. It's a dream, dude. Like a dream. Yeah. Like I'm when I was a kid, this is those two teams were at the top of the list. You know, teams For you sure. wanted to beat. This is amazing. It could be awesome. But well, we got to take care of business on Saturday. Graham, you're gonna be there, right? I will. And if if they do take care of business, I will be in LA as well. Um nice. yeah. I may have to pack my clubs, I have the first annual dog central invitational or something out there. Um, I will be in section 112 in a red tuxedo jacket, hopefully making it on the Jumbotron. Wearing are the- you really? Hell yeah. Nice. In a red tuxedo jacket. You know what? I think I'm let's talk after the show because I'm I'm not too far from you there in terms of seats. But um, yeah, I think you're in the same seats for the Oregon game. Close. Yeah. yeah okay. Like right, right in that neighborhood. So um All right, you guys don't want to listen to us talk about this. Um, Thank you guys for joining us, as always. uh, John Tweet Sports was supposed to be with us, but his power went out tonight. So um, he's going to post some some thoughts and prediction stuff on the Dog Central blog tomorrow or maybe this evening. I'm not sure whenever he gets power back. But uh, check that out as well. And if you see us walking around Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday, please say hello. We always like to see you guys out in the wild and probably most importantly, go dogs. Everyone travel safe to and from the game and happy new year to you all. 
And we will knock on wood. See you next week for a little uh, Ohio State Georgia review slash Georgia Georgia National Championship game preview. Until then. Oh wait. There we go. You gotta press a button. Yeah, I, I was on full screen.